Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Snakes and ladders. Snakes and ladders. The entrapments and the enablers in the complex maze of life. Life is not a straight line journey. If it were, we will start from the beginning, travel straight to the end, and disembark from the vehicle of life. It is more like a complex maze of several paths that lead to an ultimate end. In this work that we are privileged to have with God, each of us has a certain level or an expectation, an expected end that we aspire to, a place God is bringing us to. However, the route to that end is often complex and is fraught with traps and enablers. And these are what I call snakes and ladders. I believe many of us must have played the interesting board game called snakes and ladders. It's an ancient Indian game played between two or more players on a game board that has numbers and grades from 1 to 100. And the objective of every player is to start from 1 and navigate your way through all the numbers and get to 100 safely. And you do that by rolling the die and every die gives you a number and you count from 1 to that number. Now, if you count and you end in the mouth of a snake, you go back to where the tail of the snake is. When you count and you end at the base of a ladder, you climb to the top of that ladder. And this up and down movement continues until you reach the finishing point and you end the game. How many have played it before? Wonderful. Now, the journey of our lives is really like that. We, we, we travel in what looks like a complex maze and sometimes make statements like, why is life not simply straightforward? But that is life. And so we want to look at two scriptural illustrations that bring home the reality of the existence of snakes and the existence of ladders. And from those scriptural illustrations, we will find five snakes and five ladders that we will encounter, among others, on our journey and tell ourselves how to navigate our way to the finish line. Let's start with snakes and let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 21, from verse 4 to verse 6. It says, Then they began, or they journeyed from Mount Hor, by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our soul loads this worthless bread. 
So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Let's go to Lades and let's pick our reading from Genesis the chapter 28 and from verse 10 to verse 12, identifying the Lades on our way. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up. If the Bible is yours, underline a ladder was set up. A ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. The nation Israel and the patriarch Jacob, also called Israel, were at different times traveling with God. In the first reading, in the case of Israel, the nation, they questioned God's judgment because they came to a place of difficulty, a place of lack and shortage, and they questioned God's judgment and went to the extent of dismissing God's provision and they called it worthless bread. Our souls hate this worthless bread. As a result, the anger of God was kindled against Israel. And Bible says, God sent poisonous snakes amongst them. And the snakes bit them and many died. And as you will find when you read afterwards, the journey was stopped for a while. And it required an act of repentance and restoration for them to continue the journey. But at that point, there was a significant loss on the journey. Jacob's experience in the second reading in Genesis was very different, the exact opposite. He was traveling towards his destiny and came to a place of great weakness and great vulnerability. His family was behind him. His future was ahead of him. He was in a place of uncertainty. Bible says the sun had set. He had questions on his mind. Is God still with me? Will I make it? And in that place of weakness, Bible says he laid down alone on a stone to sleep. But in that place, Bible says God revealed a ladder to him. And the ladder ascended to heaven and as the angels ascended and descended on the ladder, God himself spoke to Jacob and showed him a blueprint of the future that he had for him. Tell somebody there are snakes and there are ladders. Now when we join these two readings and superimpose them on our game board, four principles emerge about snakes and ladders. The first one is that each of us is on a journey with God. Every one of us is on a journey with God. 
there is a beginning and there is an expected end. When we walk with God on that journey, he picks us from somewhere and he gives us a new identity. And he assures us that there is a future and there is a hope. There is an expected end for us. And if we walk with him on that journey, he will bring us to that expected end. Each of us is on a journey with God. The second lesson we learn is that there are different types and lengths of snakes and ladders on the way. They actually exist side by side. And very often, just next to where a ladder is, there is also a snake. There are different sizes, shapes of snakes and of ladders at every point in the journey. The big one is at 99, one more point to the finish, and it will bring you all the way down to seven. Very dangerous. Some ladders give you just a little push. Others will lift you very high. The third thing we learned, or we can learn, is that our journey is either hindered by the snakes or helped by the ladders. Snakes bring us down and ladders take us up. That's the third lesson we we can see. One, that we are on a journey with God. Two, that there are different snakes and ladders on the way. And the third one is that the snakes bring us down and the ladders take us up. The fourth lesson is very important. It is our choices. It is our decisions. And it's our actions that either lead us to snakes or lead us to ladders. Every step we take today, my friends, either helps us forward on the journey or hinders us from getting to our desired destination. The question we want to ask ourselves today, where are those snakes? How do they look like? Can we avoid them? Are we helpless? If we know what to do, can we decide that instead of going one step forward, three steps backwards, we will keep rising from strength to strength, knowing how to navigate our way and carefully avoiding the snakes and rather staying on the ladders. The good news is that you have a choice. I said you have a choice. Let's look at the snakes on our journey. Snakes on our journey. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 10, verse 8, the Bible warns about the impact of snakes when it says, He who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. When the wall of protection that covers us is breached, the serpent gets access to bite us. But today we will step on the head of the serpent. The first snake we want to identify is the voice of temptation. Let's all say temptation. Interestingly, these snakes predominantly appear at particular times on the journey. 
there are some that tend to appear more at the beginning than at the end. And there are some that appear when you are close to the finishing line. And so we want to identify the sequence in which they normally tend to appear. And the snake of temptation often comes at the beginning of your journey. Because temptations often offer shortcuts. Why work so hard to make money when you can falsify a document and get it faster? And so temptations offer financial shortcuts, emotional or relational shortcuts, or even spiritual shortcuts. But stay the course and stick with God's word. Amen. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, all the way through to verse 11, we see the snake of temptation appearing at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And the snake manifests itself as a voice. A voice. The voice of temptation offering three alternatives. Whatever that voice said, or whatever the enemy said, there was something that it was speaking to and providing an alternative that was ungodly or, uns- or, or not scriptural. For example, bow down and I will give you the kingdoms of this world. We've learned that those kingdoms were ultimately going to come to Jesus. But he was offering a shortcut. Why pay the price when I can show you an easier way to get it? Friends, at the beginning of your journey, you will find that there would always be a seemingly shorter route to get to the place that God is taking you. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. All your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. May God deliver somebody from the snake of temptation. The shortcut may look short, but impatience will cause you to be bitten by the snake of temptation and bring you back. May the Lord take you forward. The second snake is the snake of or the voice of wrong counsel. Wrong counsel. Several times in our lives when you are tempted, you speak to somebody close to you and say, I am battling with this idea, this thought. And the person says, perish the thought. Or the person says, hey, it's not a bad idea. Depending on what the person says, it either reinforces your strength in God's word or it helps you to go the wrong way. And so the counsel that you receive is very important. And so imagine that when the voice or the snake of temptation comes after you and you, all, you run to help from somebody and that person is also the voice of wrong counsel, you actually get two snakes biting you. In Second Samuel 13, Bible talks about Amnon, the son of David, David's firstborn, facing a very unusual temptation. Even before you make time to read on, to find out how it ended. The use of the word but tells you that while Amnon knew that it was improper 
to do the incestuous things he was thinking about, he went to a friend for help or a friend offered help. But the help that was offered was the wrong counsel. So any little resistance Amnon had left was destroyed by the counsel of a wrong friend. He said, why are you the king's son troubled? Lie down and pretend to be sick. And when she comes, just do what you have to do. And Amnon went ahead and did it and triggered a chain of transgenerational events that led to his death and many other people's death because of one wrong counsel. May the Lord deliver us from wrong counsel. May the Lord deliver us from people who may be close but who don't carry God's word. Jonathan was Amnon's first cousin. They were closely related but his counsel was ungodly and led to his destruction. May God open our eyes, open our eyes, open our spirits to know the people around us and whose counsel we must take and whose counsel we must ignore. Amen. The third one, the third voice is the voice of pride. The voice of pride is not a snake that approaches beginners. It is said that every poor person is humble. We have learned that when you are beginning and you don't have anything, your choices are limited. But as you begin to rise up the leadership ladder, there is a new kind of temptation that comes in that wasn't there before. Suddenly you begin to make a little progress and this particular one shows up. Every young manager, every young pastor, every emerging leader, anyone rising up on any leadership landscape must look out for the snake because it happens when people say, oh, you are doing very well. And it tends to be competitive and comparative in nature because it will tell you, oh, you are doing even better than your manager. You are writing better than your editor. It is supposed to be a voice of encouragement, but in reality, it is a trigger point inviting the snake of pride. Because the moment you hear any comment that is comparative and suggests that you are better than your leader, there is a, an easy way to respond. But if it is in your heart already, if the seed is already there, you say, eh, so you think so, eh? and that's the beginning. Let's go to the book of Isaiah and look at how Lucifer fell to give us an idea about the kinds of words that the snake of pride, the voice of pride, the kinds of words that he uses. In Isaiah 14, the verse 12 to 15, it says, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Note the next three words. I will also that's a reference to somebody else. Me too. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like another one, the most high. Verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to Shoal, to the lowest depths of the pit. May the Lord deliver us. The snake of pride throws up competitive phrases, comparative phrases, and makes us look bigger than we really are. Friends, when you reach 30 on the grid, somebody who knows you were starting from one will say, you are doing well. Keep it up. Keep going. It doesn't mean that at 30, you are better than somebody who is at 85. But that encouragement, instead of being a voice of encouragement, can be a trigger point for the voice of pride. May God help us to appreciate the fact that every step forward is a possibility that ensures that we can keep going from glory to glory and from strength to strength. That the progress we make will not become a trap for us, but rather a trigger point for even more blessings. Because when we succumb to the voice of pride, the little progress we have made, we slip and we come back and we lose it. The fourth voice is the voice of convenience. The voice of convenience has a simple philosophy. It's about selective obedience or selective compliance. It is a voice that says, when God speaks, some of it, yes, it's all right, but others too, we will check it out again. Saul was lifted from obscurity and made the king of Israel. And in 1 Samuel 15, Saul was given his first instruction, major instruction about battle. Bible says, God asked him to go out and totally destroy the Amalekites. It was a kind of first fruits what God was saying is that, trust me and give me this first one. And after that, I will give you several victories in your life. Almost like God telling Joshua, Jericho is the first battle after crossing the Jordan. Give me everything, destroy everything in Jericho as your first fruits. After that, you will win several battles and you will keep all the goodies. But give me the first as a sign of your obedience. In First Samuel 15, the verse 9 to 11, the Bible says, But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret. May that not be your story. I say, may that not be your story. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And he grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord 
all night. The challenge for us as Christians is to believe that God knows best. And in God asking us to do anything for him, it is not to deprive us. It is to empower us for even greater blessings. When we pay our first fruits, it is not punishment. It is to give us access to the infinite, unlimited resources of God. When God says, be faithful to your spouse, it's not because God will lose when you are unfaithful. It is because God wants to enjoy the blessing of fidelity. There is a blessing in every instruction that God gives you or God gives us. The challenge is being able to trust God that the instructions we understand and the ones we don't understand come together for our good. All things working together, working together for our good. And so sometimes when we have so much, it is easy to obey. Bible says the things that were worthless, Saul destroyed them without question. But the things that look nice and good, you know, like a human being, he rationalized it. So first fruit, great idea. But does it does it does it does it include September? September is when the children are going to school and you are paying multiple school fees and all kinds of admission and year beginning fees. You say, does the first fruit include September? When you rationalize a divine instruction, you see, it makes common sense. There is logic in it, but the things of God don't operate according to human logic. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he has said it, he will do it. If he says, trust him, tell the Lord, I will walk this journey with you and I will trust you. And I know that if I obey, it shall be well with me. Trust God, friends. Trust God. Trust God. Trust in his word. Hold fast to his word. And whatever he has begun, he will finish it. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. It is a good thing to trust the Lord. Hallelujah. The fifth and the final snake is the voice of disconnection. I believe that that is the particular one that sits at 99. The voice of disconnection disconnects us from the times and the seasons of God, from the purpose of God for our lives, from our submission to God, from our walking in the light of God's word. It is that voice that says, I am blessed because I'm intelligent. I am blessed because I have the skills. I am blessed because I am connected. It is that voice that as you climb and you begin to get blessed, you quietly eject God from the equation and say, I and and me and myself and we did it. In the book of Luke 12, verse 16 to verse 21, Bible tells the story of a man God had just blessed. 
blessed so much that he had prospered way beyond his wildest dreams. Now, his reaction to that blessing brought a counter-reaction from God we want to look at. How do we react when we are blessed? How do we react when we have a breakthrough bigger than everything else we have ever seen in our lives? In verse 19 to 21 of Luke chapter 12, we see the man's reaction. Friends, riches towards God are exalted above the riches of this world. No matter what you have physically, thank God for the car, thank God for the house, but on top of it all, we must be rich towards God. Amen. Do you know how you got that car? Do you know how you built that house? You finally got the promotion letter, but the night before the letter was given to you, the conversations that went on, the resistance that emerged, and how God put his foot down and said, my child shall be blessed. You were not there. You were not there. But once the blessing reaches your hands, can you even say, it is my own effort. Let us make a vow to ourselves that as the Lord blesses us and as the letter reaches your hand, you will lift up your hands and say, Oh God, our help in ages past and our hope for years to come. God is the strength. God is the strength. God is the strength of our lives. It may look like we are wise. It may look like we are strong. It may look like we are skilled. But God is the strength of our lives. Let's affirm our strength in God. Let's affirm our faith in God. Let's affirm our hope in God. He's our glory. And the lifter, the lifter, the lifter, the lifter, the lifter. God is the lifter up of our heads. Not our wisdom. Not our strength. Not our connections. Not our surname. Not everything we know. God is the strength of our lives. Tell somebody I have some strength and it's coming from above. Your strength is from above. Your strength is from above. And as you operate in that kind of understanding, God will never get tired of lifting you up. Because every lifting that God brings into your life it brings glory to his name. And so he will keep lifting you up and you will keep worshipping him and he will lift you up again and you will glorify him again and he will keep lifting you from strength to strength and from glory to glory. When we fail to connect and appreciate why we are being blessed, we open the door for this particular snake that is the most dangerous the snake of disconnection literally disconnects you from the blessing of God and brings you from 99 all the way down to 7. May the Lord deliver us. May God deliver us from the snake of disconnection. May we stay connected, connected, connected. Every morning connected. Every afternoon connected. Every evening connected. Even in our sleep, connected to God. Stay connected. Tell somebody, stay connected to God. Tell the person, stay there. It's a good place. You are safe. You are secure. Stay connected to God.
He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Just stay there. Stay there. Just stay there. Hallelujah. Oh, we will stay in His presence every day. We will stay under the shadow of the Almighty because He will guide us and He will lead us. Hallelujah. In every place that there are snakes, God has not left us unattended because there are ladders. Next to every snake is a ladder. Next to every trap is an enabler. And as we walk this journey, our prayer should be that even though they are very close, God will open our eyes. God will open our eyes to spot the right place and step in the right place. There are several ladders on our journey and just want to focus on five human ladders. Human enablers on our journey. The first one is the counselor. A counselor is somebody that God uses to bring you a divine perspective on an issue you are dealing with. You are dealing with a family issue. A relationship issue, a career issue, a choice you have to make. And in between different options, somebody walks in and brings you the mind of God. That is a counselor. Unlike Jonadab, the counselor brings divine perspective to the issue, the opportunity, or the challenge, and shortens your journey. To the top. Jethro visited Moses at a critical point in his journey and said, You are doing well. We celebrate your progress, but there are things you are doing also that will kill you. And so, this is a new perspective on governance, on leadership, and delegation. Don't carry this burden alone, you will die. Share it in this way. That was the voice of the counselor. Sometimes God will use somebody small and insignificant to bring you divine counsel. Naaman was an army general, strong and mighty. Had tried several options until one day his made servant. And I'm just imagining how did she approach the issue. Say this leprosy that you, I mean, just the first four words alone could be big trouble. How do you explain something that has societal shame and disgrace as M say? I know you are leprous. But she brought the counsel of God. What is the key to accessing the blessing of a counselor? It is humility. Humility to receive divine counsel. Because God will definitely send help your way. It may not come in the form or shape that you want, but it will be the mind of God. And if you open your heart and your mind, you will spot divine wisdom and you will embrace it. Tell somebody, I need a counselor. The second person you need is a connector. A connector. It is not always in life that you can speak for yourself. There are times when you are not there to speak for yourself. But the beautiful thing about a connector is that God exports or projects them way ahead of you. And positions them close to power. 
at a place where you will need them way before you get there. God knows what you will need two years from now and has begun preparing somebody to speak for you. The connector is positioned near power, way ahead, waiting for the day you will need help. The butler was in Pharaoh's palace for only one reason. That on the day of manifestation, he will open his mouth and say, Ah, I remember my fault. And that was the turning point for Joseph. The prophecy was there all his life from his childhood. But on the day of his manifestation, somebody had to be near Pharaoh to say, I know the right person you need. May God send you a connector. Somebody you met who can speak for you. When Saul said, get me somebody who is skillful in playing the harp. Bible says, one of the servants arose and said, I know the son of Jesse. He's not only skillful, he's a man of wisdom, he's a man of courage, a man of proven track record. He's handsome, the Lord is with him. The connector spoke and spoke and spoke till Saul said, bring me the man. May somebody speak for you. May somebody speak non-stop, non-stop until God opens the door that he has intended to open for you. You will need a connector. Somebody standing close to power who will speak at the right time and say, you are the man, you are the woman. When Christ died, Bible says, Joseph of Arimathea rose up and went to power and said, give me the body of Jesus. On a day you can't speak for yourself, May God raise somebody for you. May God raise somebody. The prophecy on your life, the word God has spoken about you, the destination you are heading towards that you have not yet reached, on your day of greatest need, may God raise somebody that will speak one word and move you up the ladder all the way to your promise. In Jesus' name, shout, I need a connector. For you to access the connector, you must have met them and shown them kindness and showed them your competence. And you don't know who will be your connector tomorrow. So in all your dealings with people, show compassion. Show kindness. Show respect. Show your competence. You may be serving somebody today who looks insignificant, but that is the person that God will raise to speak for you tomorrow. Hallelujah. The third person you need is a confirmer. A confirmer allows God to open their eyes to affirm a profound truth that is central to your life and to your destiny, but which may not have been manifested as yet. Sometimes that confirmer just appears once in your life, shares a truth with you, and you may never see that person again. A confirmer. Something that you know God is telling you, but nobody else around you understands. But you know God is telling you, and then God raises somebody, comes through your life once, and just affirms it. And then you don't see that person again. But the strength that brings carries you for the rest of the journey. Bible says when Jesus Christ got to Caesarea Philippi, he turned to his disciples and said, By the way, who do men say that I am? Then they started the guessing. Jeremiah. Isaiah, one of the prophets, he said, fine, but who do you say that I am? 
looking at each other. Then Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is a confirmer, a central truth that had not yet been manifested. The moment Peter spoke, Jesus Christ said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, for you to be able to accept or embrace the confirmer, you must be alive in the Kairos moment. Imagine if God is using the confirmer to speak to you, and at that moment, you are absent-minded. Tell somebody, I need a counselor. I need a counselor. I need a connector. I need a confirmer. Hallelujah. The fourth person we need is the person we run away from the most. That is the critic in quotes. The critic. The critic is a mentor that God raises who is not your friend. That person is only interested in your well-being and does not seek favor with you. Just brings you the mind of God. As they say, brah, like that. Just brings you the mind of God. And very often when you see the critic coming, you want to run because you know what you have done already. Bible says that David took Uriah's wife Bathsheba. The servants knew. The leaders around knew. But nobody spoke until one prophet walks in as a storyteller and says, a certain man had plenty sheep and another man had one. And the one with the lot stole the one. Of, he said, how? Oh, the man must die. He said, that's you. A critic will bring you the mind of God in a way that will remind you that no matter your title, no matter your position, everyone sees you as a big man, big woman, but this is the mind of God. Thus says the Lord. Samuel walks to Saul and says, everybody calls me chief, king, but the Lord has torn away the kingdom from you. You see, that is very hard. Samuel is hard. He doesn't care. But when Saul disobeyed God and God revealed to Samuel that he has taken the kingdom from Saul, who cried all night? Samuel. Samuel cried all night. Why? Because that so-called critic who is bringing you the criticism loves you and wants the best for you. And when you crash, it hurts them. You see, the higher God lifts you, the more when you make a mistake, it hurts several other people. So Samuel lay before the Lord all night in prayer and in tears. And yet, he will come to you with a hard message from the Lord. The key to accessing the blessing of the critic is to open your palace to your Nathan and your Samuel. The king can say, don't come near me. I am in power. You can shut off the person God sends to speak into your life. But that will be your loss. In First Kings, we see an example of a king who just didn't want to see a particular prophet. First Kings 22 verse 8. The kings were going to battle and they needed counsel. And Bible says, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him because he doesn't prophesy anything good concerning me but evil. Sometimes when you know the person who brings you the mind of God, you run away from them. 
Am I speaking the truth? It is easier to run away from God than to run towards God. The message to every single one of us, if you have the privilege of somebody set by God in your life to bring you hard correction, hard rebuke, hard truth, instead of running away, run towards that person and you'll be safe and you'll be secure and you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, I need a critic. It is tough, but I need it. The final person that God will send into your life that is a ladder to make your journey shorter and reduce your pain is the coach. The coach stands in a very unique place. The coach or mentor, the journey you are traveling, they've traveled it before. They know all the corners. They know which number the snake's head sits on and they know which number has the ladder because they've been there. And the mentor or the coach knows your strengths and your weaknesses better than you. And so when you are going to cross that highway, when you are about to make that terrible decision to walk away from your lovely wife, and the mentor says, I disagree. Sit down and listen to counsel. Some people, they want to live your life for you. They want to take away your happiness. We sometimes think we understand the equation better than those ahead of us. The coach or the mentor holds our hand and walks the journey with us. There are times when we feel the niceness of having a coach, but there will also be times when it's tough and it's rough. Elijah walked with Elisha right from day one. What have I got to do with you? He stretched Elisha in ways he had never seen before. But just before the glory, Bible says, Elijah himself said to Elisha, it's okay, you've done enough. The sons of the prophet said to Elisha, a human being came to do some. And Elijah himself said, it's okay, you've done Gilgal, you've done Bethel, you've done Jericho, you've done Jordan, it's okay. Elisha said, as long as I live, and as long as you live, I will follow. Others may try to discourage me, but I will follow. In fact, even if you yourself try to discourage me, I will follow you. It takes conviction. And so, Naomi says to Ruth, young lady, you've done more than many others. You can go back. She says, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you die, there I will die. And additionally, there will I be buried. What were they saying? That when you find a coach, a mentor, a spiritual authority over your life, even if the process may be, may be rough and the coaching process may stretch you, stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't run away from your coach. Don't run away from your mentor. Don't run away from the person God sent to lead you. What do we need most? We need God to deliver us from the snake of temptation. We need God to deliver us 
from wrong counsel. We need God to deliver us from the snake of pride. We need to be delivered from the snake of convenience. And we need to be delivered from the snake of disconnection. Say, deliver me, Lord. Say, deliver me, Lord. What do we need to pray for? Pray that God will send you a counselor to bring you the mind of God. Pray that God will send you a connector to speak for you in that place of power. Pray that God will bring a confirmer that something that is on your heart you are not sure of, that person will speak God's mind and that is it. Pray that God will bring you somebody who will be a critic in your life to speak hard truth but to help you on your way. And finally, pray that God will send you a coach and a mentor to hold your hand and tell you, avoid number 67. That's where the biggest snake is. Avoid 99. Avoid this one. And show you the ladders. Turn this way. Do it this way. And as you do it, instead of going forward one step and coming back two steps, as the Lord enables you, as the Spirit of God opens your eye, when you get to every ladder, you will spot it and you will climb. And when you get to every snake, by the revelation of the Spirit of God, you will jump over every snake or you will step on the head of the serpent and crush it and move forward to your destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Arbet and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more searching. Searching.